up? My name is Matt Dietz, and this is Simply Explaining Insurance. This is the show where I tell you what you need to know about insurance in a way that you can understand it. And today on the show, we're mixing up a little bit. I have a guest on. I have a friend named Ryan England, who is a insurance agency owner, and uh, he's gone through... He's gone through it all, and I wanted to have him on and talk to him about what his experience has been like in the industry. Uh, Ryan's a 25-year agent out of Utah, and he recently went from captive to indie, which is something that we see happen once in a while, and I wanted to pick his brain on what his experience was like as an agency owner, so we go all the way back and we talk about what what it was like starting off and how he grew his business, uh, how he marketed and then I wanted to talk about what the shift was like. I'm always curious because most most guys like myself, when we started 18, 20, 25 years ago, you know, didn't know the difference between captive. We didn't know captive or indie. You know, this is uh, I, I can't I can only speak for myself, but you know, I learned about the indie world probably 10 years ago, and um, that's because I was so focused on doing what I was doing that I didn't know a whole lot about it. So I'm always interested when people uh, make pretty big changes. What that conversation is like at home? Um, what's it like starting over? You know, uh, is the grass greener? What are the pros and cons and all that stuff? So I really wanted to sit down and talk to him about all that stuff and. So um, he did great filling in all of the answers to my questions. And so, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, You're doing awesome. I'm excited for this next chapter of your life with your family. Uh, It just sounds like uh, you're in a really good position. So, Ryan, thanks for coming on. And let's get out with the show. All right. So I'm joined today with Ryan England, who is a agent just like me, and uh, he's been doing it longer than me. So I'm going to lean on Ryan to teach me some stuff today. He's a 25-year agent out of Utah. Recently, he's made a pretty big shift in his career. He was with Captive Carrier, my Captive Carrier, for 24 and a half years, and uh, he made a shift to the indie world. So I'm really interested to talk to him. What's up, Ryan? How are you, Matt? Good to talk to you. I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for coming on and joining me. You, we've been in each other's orbit for a while now, and, and really haven't had a chance to connect like this. So I'm excited to ask you some questions and get to know you a little bit. Yeah, it's great. We've done thrown the couple of comments back and forth on LinkedIn or something like that. But it's good to good to talk with you. And yeah, be on with you. All right, so let's let's take it all the way back. You know, how did you get into insurance? Why did you get into insurance? Um, I think that's always interesting because nobody grows up no. <laughs> wants, and wants to and strives to run just a killer insurance agency. So what brought you to, to our industry? I was early 20s working a commercial sales rep job selling commercial tires. So lots of heavy tires and having a sales route running around and had a salary and company truck and thought that's pretty good. Yeah. Had some benefits and about four years in, I started to see the writing on the wall that, uh, not really going anywhere. <laughs> it was, it was a good job. Uh, yeah. you know, newly married and we had young on the way and, and but, oh, that was good. And, and it was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I started looking around and just what, what can I do? Some college, no big major college degree, didn't really know what to do with life. So I thought, well, let's let's find something in sales. Let's well, I've do, always sold something that yeah. everybody wants, everybody needs, I should say. There you go. Tires, gotta have them. So stumbled my way into a district manager's office. Old enough to say from the from the newspaper. From the classifieds, from you know, the paper, right? <laughs> from the tree. You start talking. Yeah. So I started talking to a DM and kind of went from there. And, and I thought, you know what? I don't see anybody else out there offering me unlimited income. My own time frame grows faster as long as I want. So it fit all the boxes. And I came home and told my wife at the time, um, I think I'm going to leave a, a job and, and go commission only. Yeah. 
How'd, how'd that conversation go? It didn't go real well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She could see that, that that's what I wanted to do. You know, I did, definitely didn't want to do that, what I was doing forever. So, well, there you go. Got into insurance. That's that was funny. Yeah, Ryan, we, uh, I did the same thing. I, I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, and when I moved to Idaho, I worked there for three years and I knew that there was an, uh, there was an end point, you know, to that job for me, because if you wanted to climb that ladder, I, I would have needed to have to move. And I also knew that my future wasn't always going to be in my hands because you had to, you had to get the next job and you had to go up against, you know, 50 other applicants. And it was, uh, I was like, I needed, I think control of my future was important, you know, to me and, you know, income was kind of secondary, but I wanted to control. I needed a little bit more control. I, I was tired of being told kind of what to do, uh, but I learned a ton. You were in a sales job, so I'm sure you were good at it. And so you, um, so going into another sales job was a nice jump and I was proficient at selling what they wanted me to sell. So, but uh, we did not know what we were getting into. <laughs> I'll bet you felt the same. What was your first year like? I just remember my head was still spinning. And so I, I did it. I was with, with uh, our carrier for two years under the full two years before I went full time. You know, I was still doing both. Oh, wow. I would work sales rep job during the day putting policies on at night um, until I felt like, okay, uh, we need to, we can do this now. So it did help doing it that way. It was harder in a lot of ways, little kids, yeah. hard to be away from them that much longer, but Would I you could have... still adjust, you know, I could still do it on the evenings that I wanted to. So let me ask you, what would have happened if you put all the pressure on yourself and you were like, I'm out of commercial tire completely and I'm a hundred percent in to my agency. What would that have been like? terrifying? Um, yeah, it was. And, and we'll kind of get to what's terrifying now, but I probably would have been the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and... It's kind of like burning the ships, right? I mean, it's like, all right, well, we're here. Let's burn the ships and there's no way out. So um, yeah, it, it was, it was scary. I was, I was really motivated by fear, you know, in the first few years, being commission only, like there's only one way you're going to get paid. So, um, so yeah, there, there are more than one ways of entry into this job for sure. I mean, you, you work two jobs for a while to get your feet wet and you know, there are others that will purchase an agency if they have the means, you know, you could start scratch and, uh, just go all in from the beginning. And so there's no right or wrong way. I mean, it worked for you. You've made it a quarter of a century. So, um, so you know, what kind of things, how did you grow your business? You know, this is 25 years ago, so things were different, but the strategies are the same, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a time, I mean, obviously this is all, you You came in almost pre-internet, honestly. Oh, I, I, mean, I started on the old green screens in yeah. the office and it was before underwriters had an email address. So you couldn't even email anybody. Yeah. They were behind the times more than we were, but yeah. Yeah, it was different world back then, but we honestly started with the phone book. It, yeah. It's not, you know, you hear it every once in a while. For those who don't know, why don't you tell people what the phone book is? I don't. I guess I haven't seen one in a long time, but you know, I would take my zip code in this big, big book, phone book, and uh, where I wanted to call and start with the A's. Yeah. The next yeah, phone no. book would come out a year later. And I don't know if I ever made it past EFG, you know, because you kept calling. You know, I'd have a system where I'd put dots next to their names or an X or a check mark, you know, all kinds of little things. And it was, it's the same question that we all still have of how do you acquire new insurance? Right. right. Sure. That's sure. still the question. Back then, we didn't have do not call. So we right. bug people. You knew when to call. You called during dinner hours and, and they didn't pick up with their cell phone. Now I'm really dating myself. But they had to go 
get up off the table and walk over and answer the phone. Yeah, they, how was they answered? Uh, the phone. How long did you cold call? Probably close to five years. Wow. Um, I mean, less and less as it went on, but right. uh, that was when we were starting to have shifting to different ways of acquiring it information. Well, well let's talk about that. What? So my thought, my theory was like, I hated cold calling. Like it sucks, you know, you're bothering people, you know, in their own time. And, but I did it in the beginning, but I did it as a means to an end, right? I did it as a way to, to write policies while I was building other systems so that while I was getting those other systems off the ground, I could slowly wean off of cold calling. So what kind of things were you doing you know, in concert with cold calling, you know, so that you could eventually stop. I really didn't want to go after family. I still don't. Um, and the close friends. That, that just was not something that I was going to push to, to those. Knew that they would come to me at after enough time. Right. When you start and you're 24 years old, and I looked a young 24, you had to get some credibility behind you before yeah. you really went after those that were closest to you. So that's why I was okay with, let's go after the phones. At the time, the carrier was really good with useful drivers. It's funny as that, that is nowadays, I don't know any company that really wants useful drivers, but we did. Yeah. We went after people that, that had useful drivers and that was our, our lead in. We interrupted them, but it was, you have useful drivers. Yeah. yeah well, same thing today. People hate adding a youthful driver because it costs so much. So we kind of shifted that direction and then kind of slowly moved through the center of influence, to the chamber stuff, to the stuff in town. At that point, my boys were starting to play sports and T-ball, and you started getting out that way. And we would drive policies that way. Yeah, You mentioned it. Money wasn't number one. Well, for me either. It was time. It was time with my boys. Yep. I didn't what miss, kind of? I didn't so, miss a game, let alone a practice. It, right. it was that first, but I was also meeting people, so I felt yeah. like that that was an okay way of doing things. What kind of goals did you set early on to make sure that you know you were profitable and you were writing enough to to live the lifestyle that you wanted? Like, and then how did your goals evolve as as your agency grew? Like, what did you start with? What did you want to write when you first started? First start, I just want to write enough to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, then we we quickly moved to, we had a book. We had a sales book. And it had 32 lines on it <laughs> before you flip the page. And that's where I started was, I want to fill this page. Nice. So, you know, 30 units at that point um, in a low premium state didn't generate a lot, but it's okay. You know, and that's where you start. I always felt like you have to fill that page. So that's great. You had you had something tangible and visible that you could look at every day. You could come in and be like, "All right, where am I on this page?" And if it's, you know, half full, you know, you got to get the the second half. You know, and when and the, that's the one thing too about this job is that every month or every page, like everything resets, <laughs> like every month, you know, every quarter, every year, everything goes back to zero, and there has to be some sort of some some kind of reset in your mind to be like, all right, we're going to do it again. And we're oh, going to do it absolutely. again and absolutely. again and again. And you have to kind of, well, you have to embrace it because even if you have a great month, you want to do it again. So there's like, there's a, there's a unique mentality, I think with good salespeople that are able to reset and do it again and again and again. And I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I'm a competitive guy by nature. I had an older brother and I was a middle child and all this other stuff. And I think there are some things innately in my upbringing that kind of infuse this competitive nature in me, which has served me well. Where did you think, you know, that came from for you? Same. I mean, I grew up playing sports. Um, I didn't, didn't end up playing a long time. Wasn't big enough, wasn't, wasn't strong enough, those kind of things. But I, I loved sports. I loved being competitive and, and, Sometimes that's losing. Sometimes that's winning. Yeah, you're a golfer. 
right? Um, how many times do, do you walk onto the tent T? It's a reset. Yeah. And That's why we play two nights that way. It is so, <laughs> you know, um, but it's, you know, I, I love, love is kind of a crazy word. I love being able to go back and look at the pages that were not full as well. You know, you, you knew you didn't do it that much. That's okay. We started over. Yeah. You happen to be recording this beginning of a month. And I felt the same thing this morning when we started. It's a new month. <laughs> Here we go again. So it doesn't matter what happened last month. We're moving no, on. and it's I like that you you mentioned golf because it's such a great metaphor for so many things, you know. And I've been golfing for a long time. And over time I've curated this really short memory. Like I mean, if you have a bad shot, you've got to have a short memory. You can't stew on it. You can't stand over the next shot and be angry. You know, you've got to be ready for the next shot. So if you hit a bad shot, you got to roll up to the you, you got however long from when you hit that shot to when you find your ball to work through it mentally, to get in a good headspace, to stand over that ball again and to take your best swing, you know? And so I always, I've always been good at that. I never, you'll never see me. You'll rarely see me kind of lose my stuff, you know, on a golf course. Cause I know that the next shot is, is just the next opportunity, you know? And so, um, and I have a tendency to want to hit the hero shot and sometimes I pull it <laughs> off and sometimes I don't, but, but it's, it sure is fun to try. So, um, talk to me a little bit about like staffing, how your agency grew. Like, when did you hire your first person? What did you have them do? Like, when did you bring on salespeople? Well, that's one of the toughest things that we do as agency owners. It's probably the toughest thing we do as agency owners, um, is, is building a good team. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, uh, when you brought people on, um, how did you bring them up to speed? You know, how did you teach your salespeople how to, how to sell and hit numbers and stuff like that? What's been, what's that path been like for you? Probably the biggest thing that I learned when I look back is I didn't bring people on soon enough. You know, I talked to other agents too. I, I say that hire, hire somebody soon. You know, it was about five years in when I finally said, okay, I need somebody to help me with the service. You went five years. Yeah. Wow. I did it all by myself for just yeah. five years. And, and it was okay because I really didn't have that much service. What keeps your expenses I, down? I felt like I, well, yeah, you know, it was also that. And being in a low premium state, it did affect that. You know, that, that was some of it and it was keeping it down, but I should have started sooner so that I could have where I was going to stay the producer. I did not hire producer. We didn't have our first one until probably eight years in. Wow. But I could then, with some service help, be able to be that primary producer with less. I say less. We're still involved in it. All the business work, there's that stuff. All the agency owner stuff never goes away. No. We were definitely the small, steadily growing agency, small yeah. town. And, and that was the model back then. You know, that yeah. was really, really didn't, I didn't know anybody else doing anything big. The world was small. Yep. So. I like what you said when it, you said, I wish I would have hired earlier. Cause I, I felt the same way, you know, as soon as the first person I ever hired was a telemarketer and I actually shared that telemarketer with another agent. Like we were working out the district office and um, we hired a couple of teenage telemarketers to come in for like a couple hours a night, you know, we gave them numbers and stuff like that. But um, every morning when I came in, I'd have leads on my desk that were pre-filled from successes that my telemarketers had the night before. So two to four leads of people who said they wanted a quote and they collected the right information. And so um, my production went up like 20% overnight, you know, when I hired a telemarketer and, you know, teenage telemarketers are cheap, especially when you're sharing them with someone. I mean, it was hundred bucks a week. I mean, it was, it was almost nothing. I mean, 10 hours a week you know, split between two agents. I'd like agents to understand that hiring 
doesn't have to mean you have to hire a full-time 40-hour work person. And I think that some agents, newer agents, think that that's the way it has to be. It doesn't have to be that way. You can hire someone to knock doors and pay them for eight hours a week or something like that. It's a very low expense. It's a way to get cheap leads and things like that. It doesn't have to be this two to $4,000 monthly commitment when you hire your first person, you can work your way up there. So, um, but that's a great point. I hear that a lot. People always, a lot of agents are like, I wish I hired earlier. I wish, but there's a risk. There's a leap of faith you have to take when you hire someone. It's your money that you're putting out. You know, this is your business. It's your expense. Um, and if you've never done it before, you don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, I don't know how to, uh, how to manage a person or to make sure they're getting what they need. So there's a lot of trial and error, but it's vital. It's the only way to really scale, you know? And, and it was, and it was probably a lot of the difficulties came from not understanding how to be a business owner. Nobody yeah. taught us that. They said, no. here, you're an, you're an agent. And it took me way too long to figure out Wait a second. Quit looking at yourself that way, you know. Mm-hmm. So we didn't. We didn't know. We didn't have QuickBooks P and L sitting on the desk and understanding where we were. It was all just winging it. <laughs> um, and I did the telemarketers like you did, and kind of a way for us to get the youthful drivers was hey, who do you know? And we had a couple of tricks up our sleeve for that. But but when it came to producing and, and using your own pen, it was all mine. So Ryan, tell me the time when you woke up one day and you realized you're like, all right, I finally have this figured out. I finally feel comfortable like being a business owner and I can handle anything that comes my way. I mean, I remember there was a period of time where, you know, like you said, you're just flying by the seat of your pants and you're taking the, you're taking it all on the chin and you're, you're figuring it out and you're solving problems and you're doing the best you can, but at what time were you like, you know what, I can handle anything that comes my way. I finally got it figured out. When was that for you? Probably about 2010. Yeah. So like we, we hit some, hit some speed bumps when credit came in, in early 2000s. It's kind of a rough time. Probably about 2010. I, I finally felt like I could breathe, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it was a, yeah, that's it, about you know, 12 years. It takes a while. Uh, yeah. Some quicker. That's okay. You know, we did it. And, and it also came in a time when, when the kids started getting older, teenagers, and it was, yeah, started yeah. to be a little more time. But I didn't feel like I was taken away from family. Too. So yeah. it kind of all came at the same time. That was about the time it was for me too like 12 years in, you know, it takes a long time. Um, all right. So, so you left your captive agency. God, has it been a year? Not even. It's been six months, six months. So walk me through that decision. Like how long I'm sure you thought of it for a while. So like, when did that first start bubbling up for you? You're like, you know what? I think, I think I need, I need to go. I need to try something else. Um, Cause that's a, that's a decision that, that it always would scare me. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to sell what I've got right now. Cause I've built it, you know, and the business comes in and I don't, I, I would feel like it's starting over, you know, I'm like, God, I don't, I don't think I have the energy to start over, you know? So, so I'm always curious and, you know, fascinated with someone who's changing companies and and models you know 25 years in 24 years in you know walk me through when you first are like all right i think i think i need to go like why did you why were you thinking that and then we'll talk about what the transition's been like so far you know it always popped in your head off and on um my whole career um, I wouldn't say from day one, because I don't think I even knew indie versus cat. Like I, I didn't know anything. Um, right. I didn't either. So we, we got to about, about 2020 
I think is when it really started flowing. You know, those thoughts came a lot more often. I started meeting other agents across the country through some marketing groups that we were in. Started seeing the production numbers. And they they were monthly numbers that you could total up our district. They probably did that in months sometimes. Yeah. And, and I went, how? And they're like, you know, they don't they didn't have that many more employees than, than most people, but it was more of a mindset, business owner type mindset. They had removed themselves from production, which is something that I was I was ready for. Um, yeah. I was tired of it, you know, and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I was just sell insurance for 18 years, 19 years at the time. They're going to get so tired. The mind did start thinking, okay, getting out, are we staying in? There's no other different industry. This is all I know. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to switch from captive to captive. So that was out. And so we started talking to these other agents and realized that. They had all been captive at one time. People don't start off scratch indie out of the blue, right? They might buy or, or have some in with somebody. Um, so that helped me with some belief and some confidence that, this, yeah, this can be done. And started understanding the independent side of the world, programs, got into technology at that time. Automation had, I just got absorbed with automation. I just could see that that was the future. Trying to hire people for $20 to $25 an hour to be a CSR in the office doesn't make sense. In, in my model, the model that I'm seeing, um, as commissions were being cut, expenses were going up, we were losing profit margin, and I couldn't do it. So this all started coming together as, I think I need to make a change. That is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was way more terrifying than, than leaving a salary job because I thought, you know, going back to year one, if it didn't work, I'd just go get a different job. <laughs> right. Like it wasn't that big a deal. So this, this was a terrifying thought, one that, that I had to talk to my wife about. It was very, very difficult. You're going to walk away from comfort. And to be honest, that's, one of the reasons I was wanting to change. Right. I found myself comfortable. I wasn't growing. I was plateaued for many, many years. It was okay, but it wasn't what I could see we could really do. And when I say we, that was when my son's, my youngest was in college. So he was just a marketer for me. It was kind of a whenever you can work, work. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll pay a few bucks, so it'll help right. you. And he decided to get licensed. As I was going through some, some struggles with CSRs, through COVID and 2020, 2021, he just said, I'll slide over there. So it was great. He learned, learned a lot there and started having these conversations about what if we make a change? graduated about a year or so later and decided hey, I graduated with business, specialized in marketing. And I want to own a business. Figured out that insurance made it through COVID, it made it through anything. And so he, he was on full board, on, on, on board 100%. I said, okay, if, if we're going to do this, uh, my oldest decided that he was Got his PNC license. Really liked the life insurance side. So he says, well, I'll be your life insurance side. And I say, nice. we're going to feed three families, so to speak. We need to grow this thing 10, 15 times the size of what I am. Yeah. I felt I could not do that. I was. That w w without, without being able to do a lot of acquisitions, let's, let's put it that way. That There was no, no way it was going to happen. So we, they really helped me make that jump you know, without yeah. them wanting it. It showed me an exit plan, 49 years old and said, okay, if we're going to do it, I can do it now and still leave something for them. And so 
I all of a sudden got thrilled, excited, can't wait to get up every morning, go to work, meaning going down downstairs nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got excited again. You know, and we brought in absorbing as much technology as we possibly can. It's the idea of setting up an agency, the way we believe insurance is going to be done 10 to 20 years from now. That helped me. That answered my question of walking away from the main street brick and mortar building. That yeah. So, you, so you're, so you sold your book. What was that process like? Yeah. So that was that was tough and it was long. Um, we we were talking about it for about four years with with company people and district managers and going through the times. It wasn't that easy, but we finally did it. Found a buyer, and from the time we met till the time it was closed and funded was less than six months. All right. I was told it couldn't couldn't do it in less than ninety. We're going to do it. Nice. <laughs> so we just did it, and uh, that was December thirty first, twenty twenty two, and January first. We are decided. Here we go, and uh, started talking to carriers. Six months later, we're talking. I'm on the independent side. There you go. Um, I'm always fascinated with the sales process of a business. Uh, and we don't have to get into the numbers or the nuts and bolts of it, but did you sell it to someone who was an agent? No. Um, yeah. the district manager at the time helped put us together. And it was a gentleman who came from a different industry. He had been in for 20 years or so. Wasn't the most stable, you know, for the, last, for the past few years and decided it might be something he wanted to get into. The crazy thing is him and his son and at the time, potentially his wife. So I was exiting with my kids to start a yeah. business uh, for their future and my future. And uh, the buyer was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. He came in you know, with no experience. So it was kind of a different process, you know, letting your, all your policyholders know you're leaving. And I couldn't do it until the very end. And I only had two weeks from the time I funded the time I was out. So yeah. that part was the, the tough part. Yeah. Very, very, very strong relationships. Right. People with you over 20 years. Yeah. All the ups and downs and they stayed with you. That part was the hardest. The hardest part. Absolutely. Did you send out anything um, to your book of business, like saying, "Hey, I'm leaving"? Did you endorse the guy coming in? Like, did you? Assess, yeah. Did you do something like that? I did. I sent a, a letter, including some endorsing of him. You know, I, I want people to give him a chance. Don't just don't be scared and run away. Um, but not a lot of background on him. That's up to his letter. That right. Sure went out. I also included. I, Met somebody who who left a captive and, and he had sent out an FAQ, page two. Love the idea because I know what questions they're going to ask. They're going to yeah. call us. Some have your cell phone number, whatnot, and say, who do I go to? Who do I call? Why can't I go with you? Any of the non-competes and things like that. So we had, I don't know, six or seven questions that I knew were going to be commonly asked questions. So we put that in mailed it, and then sent an email the night before. Tried timing everything to go out right about the first week. Yeah, that's smart. Um, did you get it? Uh, like, what multiplier did you get for your book? 1.6. Okay. That's good. Two was on the table the year before, before it fell through, and I had gotten to the point where it, it was time. Yep. And do you like that's tough selling what you built for 24 years, right? There it goes. And now all of a sudden it's not yours anymore. Was that tough? Um, was it kind of like, okay, thank God. <laughs> was there some relief there? Uh, well, and it made it a little like? easier. The, uh, the buyer did want my location. So um, really I, Cleaned up and boxed up and walked out 
wondering how that was going to go. That going to be an emotional thing. I'm an emotional guy. And no. Yeah. <laughs> I walked out and started the truck and left. Now, still in my town, I drive by all the time. Yeah. I have, I have memories. It's fantastic. But I was so excited for what was coming and what we were going to build that it wasn't a, a sad thing. It was a chapter that closed, but that's all it was. Yeah, you started, yeah. I started a new one. Well, so let's talk about your new venture. You've been at it for six months now. Um, how did you choose, you know, where to go? There's options out there. And like, there are a lot of, uh, like, like you mentioned earlier, like you didn't know the difference between captive and indie when you started, I'm sure, right? Oh. I'd, I didn't know either. I didn't know about the indie world till many years after because I just had my I had no reason to, you know, I was in my world. And um so you know, how did you pick where to go? What kind of questions did you ask these these companies? Like, do you own your policies? Yeah. You know, I'm sure their commission structures and there's technology and you know, how did you choose where to go? I had spent probably probably the that full year before I sold talking to people, other agents, other agents that had left our company. That was one of the huge pieces of advice I, I got was talking to them, learning what was going to happen, how this was going to go. So we didn't have many surprises. But as far as where we were going to go, were we going to join up with an aggregator? network, call it anything nowadays. Um, some people want to get away from the word aggregator, but it is what it is, right? There are companies out there that you can jump in with. And January 1st, I would have access to all of the carriers. I would split 70-30, 80-20. I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was hearing. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that just wasn't okay. Missions are a little higher, but still. You know, I just don't, I've never been that I'm going to split. One of, one of the reasons that, that we wanted to move is we kept sending stuff down the street with right. a friend that was indie, right? That was already there. So I wanted to be able to write stuff. And I, I just believe in, I guess I heard, when I got to the 90 tens, you know, as I dug deeper and found that they existed, started thinking that was okay. That, that might be okay. And one day I, Listen to a podcast, heard about a network, aggregated what whatnot, that you own your business from day one, you get 100% commission, you have direct appointments. The only reason you're part of that network is for loss ratio issues, production requirements are, are waived or reduced, and I was sold. When you, when you finally read the right contract, it's out there for you, and that's different for everybody. When you finally get, get that one, and I'd probably talk to eight as far as full-on meetings with them and getting deep into it. There's so many out there. I'm not going to keep talking to them all. Right. There's some great people and, and uh, you know, made great friends with, with one that I didn't go with. Because the model didn't fit me. Yeah. I didn't own my business day one. And if I'm going to sell everything I have, put it into the next one, I have to own it day one. Yeah. Heaven forbid I pass away or something like that. Heaven doesn't have anything. So there was no way. I found the right one. And uh, from there, though, I had to learn that they didn't get you the direct appointments. It pointed you in the right direction. Right. They did help, and they do help today a, a little bit. But I found that during this, well, it's a whole lot harder of a market now than it was even six months ago. Six months ago, it was really hard for me to come out of a captive world and say, go carrier, appoint me. You know, they want to see, here, fill out the paperwork. What's the size of your book, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so... <laughs> I, I learned to call the reps directly um, and just sell my story, who I was. And just like selling policies, 
Yep. I sold myself. Yep. But it also took, you know, the first order, we didn't anticipate any sales. We, when we set our, our goals before we left, we knew that the first quarter was going to be tough. We don't have a carrier. We don't have a, we did have our CRM. And CRM is probably the thing that made this possible is having my own CRM for over five years before I left. My prospect. What, what did you use? Prospect, I started out with agency MVP. Uh-huh. First one that I had. Um, it was very raw back then. <laughs> they were yeah. just just starting out. Um, I, I haven't used them in a little while, but I'm sure they're night and day. Work. But at least I found that instead of the pieces of paper that were on the desk, this goes back to the telemarketer days too. We still yeah. call in, you call out, you write it down. I had it on piece of green paper. I always printed my intake forms on green paper. So I knew on the desk that potential money. Right? And when I saw that you could put stuff in and it would automatically remind you six months, five months, six months, 11 months, those X dates, they start spitting it out. I was sold. That, that yeah. was gold. I didn't have a system. Some people have systems that are, I didn't have a good system. So that, that was eye opening. I moved a couple of years later over to agency Zoom because of the automation. Yeah. And since then, agency MVPs done, got the automation, and there's a lot of different CRMs out there. I don't think any are bad. You just have to find the one that's right for you. Yeah. But I believe that everybody should have CRM. It's not against a carrier on the captive side, but it's your prospects. You decide to leave, better have your prospects somewhere. Right. So yeah. that was the only thing we really had, so that we knew stuff would start dripping out. So we we had scheduled everything to start dripping out April first. Let's give ourselves three months to find carriers. We grabbed a few quick ones. You know, some sure tech type companies are real quick. Sometimes it's a that's a DocuSign, and you have access immediately. Others it took months. Yeah, months and months to get. Yeah, but we knew. Our long play, my exit, son's continuation, we wanted the direct. We wanted the 100%. It was the cash flow, and we wanted it. And uh, there's always something you give up. We have some profit-sharing splits. That's pay for being a part of this, this group. Very, very small amount monthly. Well, how's your first six months been? It sounds like the first quarter was all... Like, just uh, administrative. Oh man, yeah. I haven't read more contracts and that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. been on calls with carriers and, and all of that. Um, it's fun. It's a fun challenge too, though. You know, I didn't find it. I'm glad it's over for the most part. Um, but we had a great, great April, um, and then a terrible May. We realized that systems that we thought we had in place weren't the right ones. <laughs> You go and write a bunch of business, and then you realize, wow, I've got to go to six, eight different carriers' pages every morning to see who has signed electronically, who hasn't, who do I got to track all of these things and revamped the processes. Yeah. I do it our way. It works for us. Yeah. I always wondered, like, when you're writing through so many different carriers, how different that is to manage when then, you know, then writing through one or, you know, most yeah. of your stuff going through one, I always figured that that would be a challenge. You know, you're like, oh, we got eight carriers we've got to manage and we got to look at all these systems and things like that. Is there, is there anything that you have that kind of consolidates all that stuff? Or are you bouncing between all of these different um, you know, systems? We've got an AMS, which is just barely starting to be something of value because we have barely starting to get renewals coming in. Um, so now we can learn those processes or tweak them. We think we know what we want to do. Um, we had them all built out beforehand, but we decided to not use anybody's e-sign. Didn't matter which carrier it was. We went out, had an agent recommend form stack. It Between it and SharePoint, we went all Microsoft, by the way, but between those, we decided we would send out 
all documents all in the same DocuSign, using the wrong term, but form stack, electronic signature. Huh. So we left DocuSign and went to that, where we could always use the same, just didn't matter which carrier we wrote with, we sent out our own. And then uh, some want you to upload them, some you, are, you just retain. So we have our own system there that we retain all of those documents, and but they all come in together. There you go. That carrier versus checking to see if they did the resign. You know, and we built automation through agency Zoom to spit out tasks X amount of days after to follow up on that, that property inspection. So uh, the automation internally, he talks about it, the automation of text and emails going out, but the automation built to tell us when to do stuff. This carrier wants this and we need this at day seven or this one at day five just spits it out into a task and when we bring on somebody to help with service all the it's done and yeah. each task is already built out it says go here look here do this if this is done so and that's all through agency zoom yeah yeah so that's we're, a, living, that's a, we're really living in the agency zoom crm world versus the ams world and some may do the opposite. Uh, we just knew agencies. Like I said, that was one piece that came with us that we knew. So you've got different automations set up for every carrier, essentially? Not every, but, but some. Some that yeah. need a little bit extra. You know, we yeah. have a generic one that pops out that says, here, check all these things. Did you exclude a driver? Did you grab that form? Things like that. Yeah. A couple others that are a little bit more unique. We did create one for each of them. And then... Probably spent 30 minutes and it'll save us countless hours every day, every month. Yeah, that's great. Uh, all right, two more questions. One is, you know, customer acquisition. You started 25 years ago by using the phone book, right? What's your, you know, 21st century <laughs> way of acquiring clients with your new your shiny brand new agency and your new team and your sons, like what did, what did you guys, when you put your heads down, you're like, all right, here's how we're going to get clients because you just got rid of, I mean, you just cashed in all of these old relationships, you know, and you were getting business from that old book of business and that's not available to you right now. Um, what are you guys doing right now? To so when we, on the books, when the planning went into it, you know, before we pulled the trigger, we had a very, very strong lender referral program. Um, it goes as deep as us helping lenders with their pipelines, helping them get new closings. So that was solid. We knew, hey, we're just going to start out. That'll be our solid one. And we were just getting into, since we were working with them, helping them acquire new closings through social media, we'll do it ourselves. Start running. We don't run run ads, but a lot of different ways that you can get them, giveaways and different things that we're, we're create, trying to, and I think we will, create an agency where people are reaching out to us. I, we did the, had some telemarketers, we talked about that. I am not full color. I did that a little while at the beginning and I hate the culture. You retired. Turnover. Um, I don't buy internet leads and fight didn't for a reason that I only had one carrier, right? And we were competing against five or six other people. But I just said, well, I don't want to do it. Um, we're going to build a culture where people come to us. That means we have to go round them up, so to speak. Right. Um, but intake forms on websites, there's times where we just, you know, a, a job form will get submitted through the website. How do you get that out there? That's a challenge. We, right. We're all sent at the bottom of GMB again. It rose to the top. Right. <laughs> We're working on getting that back. Um, we do generate our own leads, whether that's through the lenders. And we did not know that lenders were going to be all but nothing this year. Um, things were going pretty good the last couple of years with lenders and getting a lot of referrals from them. So mm -hmm. that has slowed down to a halt. That will change. That's okay. We are yeah. taking the time now to build relationships with those lenders because they are slow. They have time to talk to you. Yeah. You, and you want to, 
you want to connect with the ones that are willing to endure, you know, these times, because they're going to be the ones when there's a rebound are going to be the ones right in the, you know, the business. I believe that. I believe that hundred yeah. percent. Those that are hustling, you, you know who they are real quick. Yeah. You get on the phone and talk to them and the sky's falling. Woe is me. I'm moving on. Yeah. So next. They're not there. <laughs> so right now though, to get quote volume up, it's, it's social media. So what are you doing? on social media we're on giveaways um we've done right one right now that's about to, to shut down is a, is a concert it's an outdoor amphitheater type concert um we did easement park stuff that one was that one was really well turned out really well so you're asking people to enter into a drawing and collecting information no no purchase required but hey, if if you will let us quote it, we're going to give you some more entries. We're going to get better odds. Right. And uh, we've done tests where we've done that fully automated, no phone calls. Just how does it turn out? What percentage can we get to reply? We capitalize on software like Canopy Connect, where mm-hmm. X percent of them send us deck pages. Wow. Talk to them. It was just all automated. Yeah. On the first one that we did. Now we're bringing in. Okay, let's do. Adding in a phone call, nice. phone calls, but adding in phone calls, what will that change? And it's funny, different things you give away, there's a totally different result. Right. I'm yeah. amazed. You know, I yeah. think you think might be good, might not be. But the fun thing is you can run, run them all the time. Yeah. Expanding into new states, which we never could do in the captive world. Right. And we are going to just ads on those giveaways in those areas. What's yeah. popular in those areas? That's great. And see how that works. Yeah. It should be exactly the same. I feel like we finally have a scalable process that we can do. That's exciting. Repeat it. So, so last question I have is we've talked a little bit about automation. I want to talk just a little bit more about that because I know that's an important part of your new model. You know, what things are you automating right now? What um how are they how are they working? And then I think automation can be a crutch for certain agencies because there's still real work that has to be done. And I think, I think some agents, automation is the big buzzword right now. Everybody's automation, automation, automation. Um, And I think newer agents um, think that all they have to do is build out the automation and the business will come, but there's like real work that has to be done, you know, in between the automation processes to get the business on the books, right? The business just doesn't land on your books just because you've had a great automation, you know? So um, what kind of things are you doing to make sure, you know, and I know you don't fall in that camp because you've been in this business for a long time. You know what the real work is. It has to be done. Um, But, you know, what would you tell an agent who's starting and they're like, all right, I got all all my automation set up. This is going to be easy. Cause I think that's, I think that that's, I think a lot of people think that like, Oh, I did it. You know, they put a lot of money into this. They're paying for these CRMs. They're, they're probably even paying people to build this out for them and they switch it on and let it go. And, you know, what do you need to do to really maximize the business that you're getting when you're building out an automation tool to bring in new business? Like what steps have to be done to make sure that your closing ratio is as high as you can get it? The one thing that has to be done is you have to talk to people <laughs> on the phone or Zoom. We do a lot of that. We still jump on a call and I'll put policy side by side on a monitor and share screen and, and go through it. You still have to talk to people. You still have to. Our number one word that has to be used in every conversation, again, verbal, assets. You don't have an asset conversation. You might write it and it'll leave. That's just how it's going to go. You talk yeah. to people about their assets. And that's the only, that's probably the number one thing I would tell someone newer or anyone, anyone that's asking what's happened, what's working for you. We, we are small. We are just starting. But when I meet with carrier reps and they say, your average premium is double. What are you doing? We're having asset conversations and we're writing high limits on 
it's a, it's been so fun to be able to learn from my mistakes, learn from the things that I did. And I go, man, I hated that I did that. I just had to write it. So I wrote it. I don't have that mentality. I don't at all. And there's yeah, exceptions to all rules. We have a couple of monoline policy, a couple, literally. But oh, oh, you write good stuff. You write multi vehicle households. You write the houses and the toys and the, the, their businesses. You know, 25% of everybody out there owns a business. So you have to talk to people. Automation will not uncover all of those things. No. No, you can't set up automation. You can't get a, you know, a bite from somebody in your automation. Say, yeah, give me a quote. You can't just email out a quote and expect them to buy it. It's going to be a, if you do get it, it's going to be really flimsy because they don't get to know you. I mean, we're still a relationship. We're still one of the, you know, real relationship-based businesses out there because we need to be there for them in times of crisis, like in sometimes in the worst days of their lives. And like, we have to be there for them and you have to be involved when there's a, a, a bad claim. You know, you can't just set up an automation and be like, well, I've got a claim automation. This will take care of it. You know, like what, what yeah. sets you apart from, you know, the 800 numbers and things like that. And so, and, and honestly, a you know, a claim or text that goes out, we have them just for glass and towing. Sure. Yeah, glass and towing. I, I'm fine with that. Send yeah. it out. If your experience was less than 100% perfect, I want to know about it. 100%. That, and that's more than 90% of agents do anyway. Exactly. You know, yeah. so I'm if not, you're standing out to, there. To do all that. But yeah. um, automation is great. And that's why I think people always think of automation as the outbound stuff to sell. We use the automation as much for us to remind us. We have a service center portion set up where Somebody submits a, a request to make a change. It goes through a pipeline. Yeah. It used to be a spiral notebook and a pen. I don't have a pen or a notepad on my desk. And I haven't for a year and a half. Yeah. Everything is put in somewhere. And it, that means that anybody can pick up Slack for me. Other teammates can do it. Maybe it's the VA in the future that's, that's doing it at night. These little, these little tasks. So. Right. Automation's good, but automation does not sell. You might get X, but X isn't enough. No. You're trying to get it, build automation that has all reminders. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one. Then you actually sell. Yep. All right, buddy. Well, I'm all out of, I'm all out of questions. Um, thank you so much. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Your experience is outstanding. You've got a ton to share. I knew you had a bunch to share and I wanted to pick your brain about it. And then the fact that you've made a really huge leap of faith and, and the changes that you made, I'm, I'm always curious about what that's like too. So I really appreciate you coming in, sharing your story, giving some insights, giving us some best practices. And uh, it's all valuable for, for anyone who's in the industry. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate you having me because I like to, to share. If, if, if anyone can benefit from any portion of it, I listen to podcasts all day long. I listen to yours. I listen. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a geek, you know, right? So um, if it can help anybody. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm here as well. You know, if anyone wants to reach out, always. I, yeah. I love helping agents. I really do. Awesome. Well, here's to a profitable second half of the year and uh, and onward and upward. Thanks, man. Appreciate right, you. Buddy. Take care. All right. There you go. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on and sharing your story. I think we can all learn from each other. And so every once in a while, I'm going to bring someone on who can teach us something and give us a little bit more insight because this job is hard. And I think it's important to hear stories and to hear how people are winning and what adjustments have what what adjustments need to be made and uh, how we can be successful. So Ryan, thank you again. I really appreciate your time and willingness to come on and share your story. Hey, my name is Matt. This is Simply Explaining Insurance. You can find me all over the place. I am on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram right now uh, at Deets Agency. And uh, you can find my masterclass at agencylaunch.net. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe.